we're going to start this morning where we left off last week. Um, last week we were looking at Ezekiel 47. Uh, Ezekiel is in the Old Testament. He was a prophet from God, someone who listened to God, and God spoke to him and asked him to share what was on God's heart with the people around him. And God gave Ezekiel an image of a river flowing from the temple. And um, over this month of prayer, uh, during the 21 days of prayer in January, and uh, throughout the year, we'll come back to this phrase, further in and further out, because God invites us, whoever we are, to go further in to his goodness and blessing and his presence, his good news in the Bible, into relationship with him, further in with him, and then further out with him, with his Holy Spirit. Does anyone know what this is? It's the inside of a water slide. <laughs> Might have been a while since you've been in one of these, but I don't think I'm alone when I confess that I've been stuck in one of these. More than once, I don't know whether it's my technique I don't know whether it's my body shape or size or weight. I, I don't know. But when I get down and lie down, and I've been told that it needs to be on your heels and kind of on your shoulders and you lift your, your bum off, that's a good technique to go down. And he's just going, no, no, no. Um, I try the technique, but pretty much always I've got stuck. And, and then I'm there. And frantically trying to get through the water slide. Anyone had this experience? Just, just nod. Some of you are going, no, this is just a new, new encounter. I asked Nikki last night and she went, no, this never happened to me. <laughs> As I was preparing for, for this morning, I was thinking about this um, because I think sometimes in life, we get very tired, not by getting stuck on water slides. Well, you might. But in life, we get tired because there are things that stop us or slow us down, and we're there frantically trying to get going, and we're thinking, is it our technique in life? Is it the way that we're living? Is it the flow of life? Is, um, is there something wrong with, with um, things around us? And we get stuck, and we panic a little bit. We get exhausted because we're trying to do things ourselves, and the water slide's meant to be enjoyed. Life is meant to be lived with all, in all its fullness. And we're meant to go down the water slide and go, yeah. But so often we go through life and it's like, oh, oh. And then we're looking behind and thinking, someone else is coming after me. Maybe that's the situation that you're in this morning. And I want to say from, from the Bible and from what God has been saying to me as I've listened to him this week, God invites each of us to stop doing this. And to actually go into the, the place of the, his constant flow. Where the water, the water from God, his living presence. Just go with me with the analogy of water throughout the whole sermon, okay? There's a lot of water today. God invites us into the flow that is constant from the source. It's powerful, is good, brings refreshing and cleansing. It, it brings um, life as we looked at last week, renewal brings purpose. You know sometimes when things are just going well and you're just in that place of flow, 
There is that expression. God's inviting us to a place of flow in our lives, not just under our own steam, our own skill and expertise, but under his. We're invited into uh, the flow of God's spirit. And this morning to help us, we're going to look at uh, some Bible passages, not just one, but a few, over a period of 630 years. I hope you've brought your lunch. <laughs> and then we're going to consider four things, four postures that will help us swap our struggles and doing things our own way and adopt or swap that for God's way. Last week, we were in Ezekiel 47. He was by the rivers of Babylon. <laughs> now, someone in, in a prayer meeting this, this week said, sang that, and they said, Stephen wouldn't know what that is. I looked it up, Stephen Linda. 1978, Boney M. No, I, I did know it. Um, <laughs> by the rivers of Babylon, that song was sung about the people of God by the rivers of Babylon, but not just the rivers like the Euphrates and the Tigris, which is in Iraq now, but a man-made river, the river Kabar or Chabar. And that's where Ezekiel was. It was a canal. And you can see uh, where it is uh, on the screen. And these people of God were there because they had messed up. They had wandered, and wandered away from God's way and chosen their own way, and they got stuck. And they were there, and they were waiting and yearning and thirsty for God to release them from captivity. And then a king called Cyrus from Persia in five, um, 539 BC, he came to power in, in Babylon and, or modern-day Iraq, and he said, basically, go home. You choose what God to serve. You choose your faith. You choose where to live. And this cylinder, which is in cuneiform, um, is in the British Museum. Go there and have a look. And as we read in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, King Cyrus of Persia was stirred up in his heart um, by, by God's spirit. And uh, Ezra chapter 1, the Lord, so the Lord um, in order to, um, to accomplish the word of the Lord uh, given by Jeremiah... The Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus of Persia so that he sent a herald throughout all of his kingdom and also a written edict declaring, go home. Basically, you can go home. Go back to the places that you were taken from. Go back to the places and rebuild your life there. So God's people were allowed to go back and he freed slaves. And King Cyrus actually is really important in, in terms of the history of freedom of religion freedom from slavery and things like that. So if you want to go back in history, do have a look at him because some of the things he established there have, um, have gone on as a foundation to some of the things that, that we would advocate today. So the people of God start going back to Israel. And there's a guy about 40 years later from um, the time of Ezekiel, about 40 years later after, after that, uh, there's another prophet, a guy who listens to God and uh, then shares what, what's on God's heart. Um, and he's called Zechariah. And he's speaking to all the different leaders um, of, of Israel at the time as they rebuild this temple. And there's a guy called Zerubbabel. What a... Well, you know when, when parents name their children? <laughs> I wonder if they thought, 
I know, we'll call him Zerubbabel because it'll be fun in thousands of years to just pronounce that. It, it sounds fun and feels fun on your lips, Zerubbabel. And he was a leader and, um, of, of the people and he was helping to rebuild. And Zechariah says uh, that God has said to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah was, was, or God was saying to Zerubbabel, don't do things in your own strength. Don't try and rebuild, not just the temple, but rebuild society through your own strength or through the people's strength. Do it by my Holy Spirit. In verse 7 of Zechariah chapter 4, it talks about um, a great mountain being defeated um, by Zerubbabel, not by Zerubbabel, but by God through Zerubbabel. What's that great mountain? Well, we don't know. But people suggest that Zerubbabel had personal foes and enemies that he was facing. And God was saying to him, don't try and defeat them by yourself. You can't do it. You can't get down the water slide, Zerubbabel, by yourself. Allow my spirit to enable ye. Allow my goodness, my power, my strength, says God, to enable you to, uh, to live and to lead and to rebuild I wonder today if you need that reminder of God's invite not to rely on your own strength and ability, not to rely on your own wisdom, but on God's instead to make a swap. The temple is completed by 516 BC, and I'm going to jump 500 years. And now I hear a big kind of sigh of relief because I said 630 years and I've just cut out 500 of them. During those 500 years, we don't know from the Bible what happens in 400 of them. It's as if God is silent. But the people are waiting and whilst people are waiting, God is working. And also there's a guy called Herod the Great who's also working and he's working on renovating the temple um, and... um, Around about um, 76, uh, a, sorry, 76 BC, he starts renovating the temple that Zechariah and Zerubbabel had rebuilt. And he makes it all grand and spl- kind of fantastic. And then, so that Herod was the one on the throne when Jesus was a baby. Just to piece together the story for a few of you. And during that time, the priests, the Pharisees, Whilst they were waiting for God, they wanted to do something. So during um, the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a festival that they celebrated every single year, the priests would go to a pool called Siloam, which symbolized God's goodness and presence and Holy Spirit, and they would take a, a jug bigger than this one. But I didn't want to kind of try and do it, it hurt my back. Um, and they would go down into this pool of Siloam and they would carry it to the temple and they would pour it out because they wanted this verse to come true. God hadn't told them to do this. God had set out what they needed to do for the Feast of Tabernacles in, in the book of Leviticus. But they added to it. And, and they had this ceremony saying... Um, Go to the pool of Siloam for, for each day of the festival and, and then pour out over the altar 
as a symbol of our waiting, of our longing for God to bring this prophecy from the book of Isaiah true, where God says through Isaiah, I will pour water on the thirsty, on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground and I'll pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They were waiting and whilst they waited, they took things into their own hands and they, they knew the Bible and they took water and they poured it out symbolically, showing that they're waiting for God to do something. Ezekiel had a vision of water flowing from the temple, God's holy presence, God's holy spirit, his good news. Zechariah helped rebuild the temple and God gave him a vision of water flowing from the temple, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 8, if you're taking notes. But neither of those visions came true in their lifetime. They were waiting. And for 500 years, the people were waiting and waiting and thirsting for God to do something beginning to get desperate. And they even got this ritual going, come on God, pour out, pour out, pour out. And then in John chapter seven, we read these words. On the last and greatest day of the festival, the festival of tabernacles, the last day is known as Hoshana Rabbah, which means please save us in in Hebrew. And Jesus comes And he's in this festival and he says in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirits uh, whom those who believed um, in him were later to receive. Up till that point, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified After 630 years of waiting, even longer waiting um, for for God's promises to be fulfilled of of God's holy presence living with, with his people, Jesus turns up and he says, come, all who are thirsty, come to me. I wonder what that would have meant for those people then. I've been waiting, I've been thirsting, I've been longing, God. I've been doing this religious thing, pouring out water, pouring out water. And now Jesus comes and he says, come to me and you will receive living water. I wonder what it means to you today. What you're thirsting and hungering after, whether you're just exhausted from trying to get down that water slide called life. Because you've been trying to do it yourself and Jesus says, come to me. Allow me to to get you into the right position so that you live life in the way that I made you to live. So that you live life not just in your own strength and power, your own might and power, but by God's spirit living within you in the flow of constant supply of God's love and his grace and goodness. Jesus came. He says, come to me. All who are thirsty, come to me and believe. It says, anyone who believes in me, that's not just, well, I believe he exists. 
In the Greek, it's a present continuous thing. It's not just a one-off thing. It's to be found believing, 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 believing. The word is to have faith and trust in. The scripture says, um, he's talking about the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus gives the invite to come. And this invite needs to be responded to. We need to say, yeah, Jesus, I come. As I said, we're going to go, we've gone through different parts of the Bible, and I wanted to share four postures to help us swap our struggle of trying to get through life in order to adopt and to take up the way God invites us to live, flowing in his spirit. And I'm just stealing titles from some of the things in this book, Spirit Walk. Um, if you want... Um, well, it's on the screen. Spirit walk, it's not just the extraordinary power of ordinary people. It's the extraordinary power of the book of Acts for ordinary people. Um, just when we did the slides, we made, a, made an error with that. Fantastic book. Really recommend it. Uh, the details are also on, on the website on the 21 Days of Prayer page. The first one, as we swap, is to surrender to God's will and God's words. Now, this isn't a popular phrase today. To surrender something, that sounds weak. To surrender to someone else sounds so, so weak and countercultural. And notice this is surrender, not commitment. Or I'm, it's good to be committed to God's will and God's word, but commitment is like another level down from surrender. Commitment is like I'm living alongside God's words and God's way. Surrender is I'm living underneath it and I'm allowing God's way for my life to happen. I'm laying it down, laying it down before God. Ezekiel himself, as I said last week, I just shared three things last week. Ezekiel lay, uh, laid his life down in surrender to God. When God told him something to do, he did it. And that, it was not just surrender, but it was obedience to God's will and God's words. He cut his beard and shaved his head in order for God, because God told him to. Um, I shared that one last week. What other ones did I share last week? The, what did he eat? A scroll. Thank you. Um, he ate a scroll because God told him to. Other things that Ezekiel did, he faithfully, faithfully proclaimed God's message. He shut himself inside his house. That's a bit weird, but God told him to. Because it was symbolic of what was going to happen to God's people. He followed specific cooking instructions in chapter 4 of Ezekiel. Any of you heard of Ezekiel bread? You can get it on Amazon for £13. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not made in complete obedience to the instructions that Ezekiel was initially given. Because the instructions God gave him initially was to cook it on poo. Thankfully, Ezekiel said, God, come on. So they used a different kind of um, fertilizer. Ezekiel left home to demonstrate exile. Ezekiel spoke against false prophets because God told him to. Ezekiel sang a funeral song concerning the leaders in chapter 19. Ezekiel prophesied against Israel and the temple in chapter 21. He marked out two routes for the Babylon's kings in chapter 21. And this is a really harsh one. 
God asked him not to mourn the death of his wife because it was going to to be a message to the people around him. Ezekiel did it. He surrendered his life to God's will and God's words. That's hard. That is really hard. When we want to swap our own efforts, our own might and power, God says, stop trying. Surrender it. Lay it down. In order for me to flow freely in you and through you. Surrender it. And as we let go of our lives more and more, the more God will hold our lives securely as we surrender to him. Some of you will know that one of the wives of, our, of um, one of our church members is in um, intensive care in Stoke Mandeville. On the way to the hospital on Thursday, Tony said to his wife, Gay, do you want to get well? And Gay said, I want what God wants for me. And I'm thinking, when Tony said that, I'm thinking, no. Just say, yeah, I want to get well and keep on praying. But she's surrendered her life. She's placed herself in the complete surrender to God's will and God's way. Yes, we're praying for her healing and restoration. So is Tony. But what Gay wants is to be surrendered to God's will and God's words. It's a beautiful thing. Ordinary people surrendered to God's will and God's words are able to live in the flow of his spirit. Anyone heard of this guy, Duncan Campbell, before? Yeah, he, he was a, a pastor, an evangelist up in Scotland, and God in, got him to go to the Outer Hebrides, sorry, to the Hebridean Islands, um, initially to the Isle of Lewis, for two weeks in 1949, um, and he ended up staying for two years. Because God wanted to do something massive in the Hebridean Islands. Not just a trickle of his presence, but a complete soaking of those islands and those communities with his goodness, by his power and spirit. It was like Niagara Falls kind of power um, of God's presence coming. But he's got a collar on. So I know that as soon as you see people with a collar, you think, well, they're closer to God, aren't they? They're not ordinary. And we want ordinary people encountering this extraordinary God. So let's show you the rest of the picture. Peggy and Christine Smith. Peggy, 84. Christine, her sister, 82 years old. Peggy was blind. Christine bent over double with arthritis. They were unable to go to church. So this is what they did. They made their home, their humble cottage, a sanctuary where they met with gods. They were already living the surrendered life. And now they chose to wait on God in prayer. To them came the promise. As they waited on God in prayer, to them came the promise I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. You remember that verse from Isaiah 44, verse 3? 
that the Pharisees had taken upon themselves, um, the, the teachers of, of, of God's people, um, it, during that 500 years, they'd taken it upon themselves to get the jug and symbolize that. God gave them this verse. So they started praying it. And not just once, but they started praying it day and night. And they prayed it and prayed it. And one night, Peggy had a revelation that revival, renewal, God's kind of completely soaking and saturating those islands uh, with his presence, that revival was coming and the church of her fathers would be crowded again with young people. And she sent for the minister, the Reverend James Murray McKay, and told him what God had shown her, asking him to call his elders and deacons together for special times of waiting upon God. In the same district, a group of men began praying in a barn, and they experienced a foretaste of coming blessing. One night as they waited upon God, this pattern, waiting on God, waiting on God, uh, as they prayed, a young deacon rose and read part of the 24th Psalm, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord's, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. And turning to the others, he said, Brethren, it seems to me just so, so much humbug to be waiting and praying as, as we are, if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. Then lifting his hands towards heaven, he cried, O oh God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? And he got no further, but fell prostrate to the floor. An awareness of God filled the barn, and a stream of supernatural power was let loose in their lives. They had moved into a new sphere of God's realization, believing implicitly in the promise of revival. Ordinary people waiting on, uh, in prayer to the extraordinary gods. We're to surrender our lives and to wait on God in prayer. To take the dependency upon, uh, off us and place it on God's. And we're to avoid sin and to allow God to root out anything that's in our lives that is not of him and not his way. Have you ever um, gone through white water? Anyone? I, I, anyone bashed into a rock? It hurts. <laughs> it hurts. The rocks are there and they do make actually going down a river more exciting. But in terms of the river of God, how he wants us to flow, he wants us to remove the blockages in our lives. I can't remember whether I've mentioned fatbergs before. Have I? No? Okay. In our sewers around the nation, there are fatbergs blocking the pipes. Buildup of gunk and stuff that shouldn't be building up there, but it builds up and it blocks it. If we're to live in the flow of God's Spirit and the, the life that he, he wants for us, we're to get rid of uh, those things that block us so that uh, God can use us fully and freely. But also to know that when we stumble, when we mess up, God is good and gracious and brings forgiveness to us. As we swap our efforts, our might, our power, in order to take up God's, 
We also need to pursue the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Swapping our might, our power, to take up God's Spirit's might and power and leading. It's taking um, our seats, taking ourselves out of the driver's seat and into the passenger seat, out of the director's chair and into one of the board member's chairs. It's allowing God to decide for us what we will do and when we will do it. Let me share a story from October half term when we were down in Nikki's parents' caravan and uh, for lunch we were going to cook some omelette and we realised that there's no ketchup. And I know that there wasn't, so I mentioned ketchup last week, I don't have a thing for ketchup, but actually um, one of our girls doesn't like omelette without ketchup. So Nikki said, I'll go, I'll nip out to the shop. Nip out to the shop. Nipping out to the shop in my mind, is you go to the nearest shop that sells ketchup. You will be five minutes. That was what I assumed. So after about five minutes or so, I started cooking, thinking, perfect timing, she'll arrive back, he'll be on the table, and and we'll be able to eat. Ten minutes, she still wasn't back. Twenty minutes, still wasn't back. Thinking, this is a long nipping to the shop. Perhaps she's got other things as well. And time went on, and after an hour, I'm there, phone out, find my phone. We've got phones connected so I could find her. She's still in Sainsbury's. She came back, and I'm like, I was not happy. I was hungry. And the children were hangry. And she came and said, oh, I'm really sorry. I got talking to the woman at the checker. I'm thinking, but I was talking to our children and they were hungry. It took me a while to calm down. As Nikki shared the story that she was pursuing the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I don't know why she went to Sainsbury's that day apart from pursuing the promptings of the Spirit because there were three other shops that she could have gone to. (laughs) And she goes to Sainsbury's and gets the ketchup and goes to the checkout and the woman says, how are you doing? Nikki says, I'm doing okay. How are you? And that question is one way to pursue the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The woman said, I'm not doing very well, actually. My son took his life a few months ago, and my daughter is, a, is threatening to. And Nikki had a choice. She could either say, well, I've got my ketchup. Here's the money. Let's go. Or just pause and pray and speak words of truth and life to her, words of encouragement and hope and commit to praying for her over the the days and weeks um, that followed. She pursued the promptings of the Holy Spirit and I responded with a, oh. If we're to take up living in the flow of God's spirit, which is what God invites us to, not living under our own efforts, which are just exhausting, but actually relying on God and his might and power. We need to swap. Surrender to God. We need to wait on God in prayer. And maybe as I read those things about the, uh, the Hebrides, something stirred within you that, God, what happened there? We want to happen in your way here as well. So maybe God is stirring that in you that you're going to wait on God um, in prayer for revival here. 
We're to, to avoid sin and we're to pursue God's spirit. Jesus invites us. I'm just going to whiz through so that we can have that verse back up there. Jesus invites us to come. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we respond to what Jesus' invite. It's rude not to respond to an invite when someone invites you. So can you please stand if you're able and if the music group can come up. And we're going to respond as God leads us. I'm not going to force any of you to respond or do anything. But I'm just going to give some space and then ask you to respond as God leads you. Jesus, we thank you that you invite us to come. So I choose, I respond by coming in my prayers back to you once again. But I recognize, God, that there are people here that may have never come to you and said that, I, that they believe in you. So I want to just um, give, if that's you, I want to just give you an opportunity to say, Jesus, I come to you. Or if you're not ready to make that big step yet for the first time, to recognize that you want to explore this further. So as a way of showing that you are saying, Jesus, I come to you, or I'm starting to turn towards you. Can you please just raise your hand if that's you? Thank you. Thank you, thank you. God, for those people who are coming to you for the first time or turning back towards you or turning to you and starting that journey, I pray, God, that you will help them on that journey and place people around them to, to um, journey alongside as they go away from doing things their own way and living holy for you. Amen. And for many of us, God, I just pray that you will help us to surrender, to, to swap our own efforts, our own um, thinking that we can do things in our own strength, our own ability, going through life, trying our own way, our own might and our own power. We swap that, God, and take up your way, your will, in accordance with your words. We wait on you. We pray to you. We avoid things that are not of you. And we pursue your Holy Spirit. Help us to do that. We had a baptism of Beth and we used water. When God promises his Holy Spirit, he promises a immersion, a baptism, baptismo, 
Greek word meaning immerse or to immerse. To, to immerse us in his holy presence. To jump in the river of his presence and, and completely be soaked to the skin right down deep as well. I don't know about you, but I've had that experience of God once before, but there are times where I then dry out. And God invites us to be re-immersed in him or to be immersed for the first time. And we're going to have people in this section and maybe some over in this section that would love to pray with you if you would like to have a fresh immersion, fresh baptismo of God's holy presence, God's holy spirit in your life. And they'll just simply pray with you. If you want to just pray quietly, you can do that in your seat. You can come and kneel by the river if, if you want to respond privately. But can I encourage you to not just go through life going, mm, 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 but actually get in the water slide of God's holy presence and enjoy the adventure that he leads you on. So God, lead us as we respond through song and through prayer, through reflection and thinking through attending an Alpha course, if that's how you want us to continue the journey, to taking someone through these steps of swapping, if that's how you want us to, to, to serve you this week. Help us to respond by your Holy Spirit. Amen.